the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and what an exciting show we're going to have today. Hey, how can we better start off National Disability Employment Awareness Month than with the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, Tony Quello, and Sandy Finucane, General Counsel for the Epilepsy Foundation, and a woman that was the leader with Tony to get the ADA Amendments Act signed. So thrilled to have both of them. Tony and Sandy, welcome to the show. Welcome, Thank you, Joyce. Joyce. Thanks for having us. And you know why I'm so excited, all of you listening to the show, so you know this. Of course, you all know I'm a woman with epilepsy. I am so proud that the National Epilepsy Foundation will be remembered for being a leader with getting the ADA Amendments Act signed. But I don't want to take up time when we have two such great guests, Tony and Sandy. Will you first talk about what happened to the ADA and why we needed the ADA Amendments Act signed? Because sometimes people do not understand what happened to the Americans with Disabilities Act. Sandy, do you want to go first? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Joyce, it was just a few days after the Supreme Court's um, first employment decisions involving the ADA that lower courts, that people with disabilities started learning that they were not going to be covered by the ADA any longer because they took, if they took medi- uh, medication or some other, me- or took some other measure to control their disability, or to deal with their disability. The Supreme Court issued some decisions in 1999 and 2002, and in those decisions they said, you don't have a disability if you take medications to control it and you're doing well enough that you can work with the medication or with the intervention. So we in the disability community, of course, knew that that would be a disaster, for, or, uh, but, but we needed to wait and see how the lower courts interpreted those decisions. What started happening was that people with disabilities were being told they do not have disabilities under the ADA, so even if they're unfairly treated by an employer, they would not be able to use the ADA to to protect themselves from that unfair discrimination. And uh, I just wanted to mention, this would be more than just epilepsy. This would be bipolar disorder, um, cochlear implants, prosthetics, anything where they could say, because you have this, you really do not have a disability. Is that right, Sandy? That's right. And, in fact, it began, the, the, the cases, the Supreme Court dealt with cases of people who wear eyeglasses, and some people might say, well, eyeglasses, should you really be covered by the ADA? That kind of, maybe not. That doesn't, you know, make much sense because you don't get discriminated against because you wear eyeglasses. But they also decided that if you have high blood pressure and you take medication to control it, you're not covered by the ADA. If you have monocular vision and you take and your brain accommodates you uh, and and resolves that situation, you don't have a disability under the ADA. We have cases. We had cases where people with cancer um, do not have a disability. Multiple sclerosis, uh, bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, missing limbs, 
epilepsy, diabetes, all those conditions um, that are, you know, that are real limitations for people um, and, and often in the workplace we're, we're being told that they do not have a disability under the ADA. I think, Joyce, the, the one thing here is that let's just really get to the, the root of it. If you have a returning uh, young man or young woman coming from the Iraq War and they lost uh, a limb or two limbs and then uh, they have a prosthesis, um, artificial arm, artificial leg uh, put on, the court basically is saying that these people are not disabled so that uh, a business could have and did uh, discriminate against them uh, because of their loss of limb. Uh, but the court says, no, you have uh, an artificial limb, so you're not disabled. Uh, it, it is ludicrous. They also said, those of us with epilepsy, that when you're having your seizure, you're disabled, but when you're not, you're not uh, disabled, you're not covered. So when I was having a seizure, somebody couldn't discriminate against me, but as soon as my seizure was over, they could say, you're fired, and that was okay. So it was ludicrous in the way that they ruled, but they basically said that's what the law said. And and uh, so the lower courts were uh, starting to take off on this. And this is how, but it was, it was for a variety of uh, disabilities, uh, not just epilepsy. Now, wait a minute there, Tony. I, I have a question here. As we know, you do have epilepsy. Yes. So, and we know you were the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So you were writing this act, and then you find out you're not covered? Well, the thing that really, was really disturbing to me is that I wrote the act. I introduced the bill when I was in the Congress. Uh, I testified before uh, the Senate. Uh, my testimony is right there in print for anybody to read. Um, everybody, I talked about my epilepsy. I talked about the need for the legislation from a personal experience what I, where I was discriminated against and, and how I became suicidal and everything else because of the experiences I went through as a young man. Um, and members of the Senate and members of the House all knew that a lot of this was based on my personal experiences and what I went through. So everybody knew or practically, I should say, everybody knew that voted for uh, the ADA in 1990 uh, that um, my epilepsy uh, was part of the reason I introduced the bill. Um, and then the courts, in effect, ruled that uh, the Congress did not intend, in effect, for epilepsy to uh, be covered by the ADA. Uh, now, uh, there are a lot of people in politics, particularly the more conservative folks, who accuse the court of being too liberal in legislating. Well, I'm more of a liberal. I, I accuse the court of legislating as well. They legislated from the conservative side and said uh, uh, the other thing. I, I just think the courts uh, basically uh, did not want the ADA uh, to be covered in the workplace. And so they were very strict and ruled against us. Now, I should point out, and Sandy will back me up, I think, is that this is not unusual for the courts to go against the intent of the Congress. Uh, the Congress passes a bill, the president signs it, 
The Congress thinks their intent is very clear. The courts are basically opposed to what the Congress intended. They find a way to rule that it, it is not covered, so they rule against it. The Congress then has to come back. And it takes about 10 years for that law to actually go through the court system to finally get to the Supreme Court. Um, well, you hold on there a, mi- a minute there, Tony, because we got a caller that's trying to get through here. Do we have a caller on the line right now? Yes, Joyce, this is Cheryl. Hey! <laughs> Hi, Cheryl. Hi. I, hi, Sandy. Hi. I, you know, I have some questions to ask the callers today because I am, I am really excited about the passage of this. And um, as, as the chair of the board of the American Association of People with Disabilities, I wanted to ask these two champions, are we really done? Do you think we're really done? And what is next in the future? Well, I don't think you're ever done because it's a civil rights law. And there will still be discrimination, and and basically uh, uh, people have to file action to protect their civil rights. Uh, and society changes, technology changes, uh, and as we go through the years, there will be obviously a problem someplace else, and and uh, hopefully the courts will interpret it correctly. They may not, and if they don't, then you'll have to put in legislation to to correct it. Uh, but I think you have to be vigilant. Uh, The administration, whichever administration is in power as we go through the years, uh, will have to interpret it as well. And a justice department that is supportive of disability rights would aggressively support what we interpret the ADA to be. But if the administration that's in power does not, uh, then uh, through the uh, EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and uh, through the courts, their influence with the courts uh, would not uh, enforce it. So a lot of that occurs, but that's normal on any bill. Mm-hmm. I just want to say to all of you listeners, this is Cheryl Sensenbrenner, chair of the AAPD, wife of Jim Sensenbrenner, Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner, and Cheryl worked very closely with Tony and Sandy on the, on the uh, ADA Amendments Act, and Cheryl... Would you not say that is one of the best examples with Tony Coelho as the role model of bipartisanship work together? Oh, definitely on the Hill. I, definitely. But, you know, we worked very hard. We're thrilled that the bill is signed. But I don't think we can, and then Tony made it quite clear, we can't sit and say, well, now that we've fixed it, we can just, you know, sit back on our laurels. We, as you said, Tony, civil rights, we're going to have to continuously be vigilant. I, well, I, would, I, would I, say, think... I would say, Cheryl, just quickly, uh, in the 60s we passed civil rights for uh, people of color and the 70s for, for women, uh, and I think uh, uh, we can all agree that uh, the civil rights of people of color and, and with women, those have not uh, been corrected just because the laws have been passed. Uh, people have to be vigilant to make sure that the law is enforced. Will it be the same thing with those of us with disabilities? And um, I would agree with that, with with everything that's been said. This is a major hurdle, though, that we overcame. You know, but it is a hurdle that we thought we had overcome in 1990. I think that's very important. The real victory was in 1990 when the ADA was passed, giving civil rights to people with disabilities. The problem occurred 
that the court said, well, all this group of people don't actually have disabilities that fit within the ADA's coverage. So then you suddenly had this whole group of people with all kinds of conditions who were being told, well, too bad for you. I don't care that you're discriminated against because you have that condition because that's not a condition that fits within the ADA. We hope that we have fixed that fundamental problem of who's covered by the law to cover people with a whole range of disabilities that Congress intended to cover. And I think, Sandy, why don't you explain as well is that the ADA was very, very successful or is very successful in all other areas. It's only in the workplace that we've had trouble with the Supreme Court, insisting that states and counties and cities comply with the ADA, uh, all these other things, ADA has been extremely successful. It was just in the workplace. Sandy, you may want to... And that's, and that's absolutely, I mean, an analysis of the Supreme Court cases that have been done by legal experts shows that the ADA was actually interpreted more broadly in cases that involve public, you know, access to public accommodations, um, anything that involves something other than employment. It's only been in the employment area where the where the courts have been very narrow and rigid in terms of who should be covered by the ADA. You know, and you can ask why. There's a lot of theories about that. I think for us the important point is, okay, we've gotten past this hurdle now. You've got to cover people with epilepsy, diabetes, anybody whose condition may have an impact on their ability in the, uh, to, to work in the workplace or may require an accommodation has some basic civil rights now that... that that they that can be enforced. There is a second issue. There are many issues that I think we'll have to face, and one of them is that people with conditions like epilepsy and um, all kinds of disabilities still are not fully included in the workplace to the extent of their abilities. And how to get to that next step will be, I think, where our focus needs to be and um, helping people really, helping employers understand that people with disabilities can be successfully hired uh, is, is, I think, going to be a, a major area of focus for the future. Cheryl, tell me, uh, when you first started working on the ADA Amendments Act, did, did you believe this would happen? What did you think? Well, certainly. Well, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I was because I saw how much it was necessary, and I guess every once in a while, um, the disability community and the champions that they have within it uh, can do phenomenal things. I, I was astounded by that from what I had seen. Therefore, I had to believe that that this had it had to be done. There, and we were the right. only group that really was sitting out there without our civil rights. And so, yes, I did. I did believe in it. I had, I, we all had to believe in ourselves. We knew that we could count on the disability community to contact their legislators, to work with the manufacturers that had joined in with us, realizing that this situation had to be changed. I just had one other question, if I want, and then I'll let you go on, Joyce. I'm no, always go ahead. poking my nose in. My, my other question is, I know we're well aware the obvious ones are diabetes, prosthetics, cancer, epilepsy. What are some of the other disabilities, bipolar was mentioned, what are some of the other disabilities that may not come immediately to mind that this, hopefully this, uh, this Amendments Act will give civil rights to? Um, well, there, I think, I mean, I can go through a list of cases that have been wrongly decided, we believe wrongly decided in the last 10 years, 
I think post-traumatic stress disorder will be an important area where I believe that now people who are not who are not being covered, and many courts have said, including appellate courts have said, under the ADA that they were not that PTSD was not a disability. I think that's going to change under this um, under this um, new ADA amendments act and this new definition. Uh, um, Multiple sclerosis, I think we'll have, people will have an easier time of getting coverage, arthritis, asthma, all those kinds of conditions, as I said, that, um, often, often not visible conditions, but that may actually require an accommodation or have some impact on the individual periodically, those conditions will now be covered by the ADA. I think, Joyce, one of the things we need to point out is that, uh, this was not, uh, a, an act of Congress put through uh, just by the disability community, that uh, one of the things we started off in 1990 was to make sure that it had support of members, uh, both Democrats, Republicans, liberal conservatives, members of the House and the Senate, but more importantly as well as members of the business community. And so we had uh, uh, members of the business community of the major business groups at the bargaining table when we put together the compromise. And so this represents uh, a cross-the-board group that put together this compromise, and we were able then to push it through. So uh, we are hopeful that as we face challenges uh, from the courts and so forth in regards to uh, some of the disputes, uh, whether or when someone's covered, that we would have the support of these business groups going forward. They recognize that there's a huge untapped labor force here that wants to work and can work. Um, and it's a, it's a question of changing your attitude about their ability to work. And so they joined with us. They were very effective, very helpful, and we appreciate it, and I think they deserve a lot of credit as well. Yes, this is one example of... Many of us, including me, not understanding how long it takes to get something through, to get it signed by the president. I mean, to have it become a bill. This was years. You worked on this for about five years, right, Tony? Yeah, five years ago, I made a commitment to the epilepsy board. Sandy was there. You were there. Um, And uh, we just started getting the cases, uh, excluding us. And I made a commitment then that... uh, uh, contrary to what some people felt that we shouldn't open up the ADA because we were able to get bad amendments, that we couldn't sit around and just uh, let people continue to destroy the ADA here in the United States. What people don't realize is that the ADA is the law of the land or something similar to it, the law of the land in over 52 different countries throughout the world. And here we were the ones that started it, and we were uh, having it destroyed by the courts. And so five years ago, I made a commitment to the board that we would start an effort, and Sandy and I started working on it. And, and uh, over the years, then we started bringing in people, and, and uh, uh, AAPD has uh, been a great uh, champion with us. And I should say that uh, you said it already, Joyce. Uh, Cheryl personally uh, walked the halls of Congress uh, as the spouse of a, a member of the House, she had an ability to walk in uh, offices of the member themselves or in the Senate side, and, and uh, Cheryl would pull out her cane and 
flop them if they were not supportive. So uh, uh, Cheryl was just tremendous, and we appreciate and love her so much for all the work she did to help us get this done. Well, I thank you, and I will hang up and listen. But I also want to say that what I've, the calls I've gotten, I just feel that this is so wonderful for parents of, of children that have disabilities. And it, it changes the entire future in the way that parents can embrace and, and, and feel that, that, the, that everything now, that the kids have a chance. They, they finally have a chance. That's a that's a very interesting you know last issue there the that the um, impact on young people mm-hmm. you know the the laws that have been around including uh, children who have conditions like epilepsy and other disabilities fully in in, in a full um, in, in the education system have really opened doors for many for obviously for many many people and then. And, and the laws worked. I mean, kids are getting accommodations in schools. They're, they're being educated. They're going on to college. And then to have the sort of horrifying experience that when you come out of college or come out of high school and you're looking for a job, to be told by an employer, well, you're not covered by the ADA uh, and you don't have a disability, kind of makes no sense that this is sort of the ending of all that effort that's been put into educating kids with health conditions and disabilities. So we, we're no longer going to be in that problem, be, be in the situation where that's a problem. And, Cheryl, before you go, I just want to say uh, one more time, thank you for everything you did. Thank you for being bipartisan in this area. Thank you for being a leader. Um, and also thank you to Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner. We here, really here. appreciate what you've done for people with disabilities, Cheryl. That's what I am myself. <laughs> That's what so we much. are. That's why we're all fireballs. Right. Thank <laughs> you. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Bye, Cheryl. Cheryl. Thanks for calling in, Cheryl. Hey, Sandy, I do have a quick question for you here before we go to break. Uh, very quickly, with epilepsy, could you just give one example quickly of a person sure. who was dem- uh, discriminated against and what happened? Sure, and and it's the um, James Todd is a perfect case in the in the sense that it happened within five or six days after the Supreme Court's decision in the Sutton trilogy of cases. So uh, James Todd is a stalker. He has had epilepsy since he was six years old. He takes medication for it, but sometimes uh, the medication doesn't work, and he has a seizure. Um, he had a he was sick. He had a, he got the flu. The, you know, lost his medication levels as a result of that and had a seizure at work. He was fired um, a short time thereafter. And when he um, filed suit under the ADA, because he filed suit because he believed he was fired because he had a seizure on the job and because the employer discovered that he had epilepsy. So he thought he would take advantage of this wonderful law, the ADA, and sue. He went to court and the and the district court said, that they were, and they were completely horrified. They said in their opinion, we wish that we could cover you by this law, but the Supreme Court has now said that because you take medication to control your epilepsy, because you're doing very well, except for the brief periods of time when you're actually having a seizure, you are no longer substantially limited in a major life activity, and you're not covered by the ADA. So you cannot, you cannot sue for this unfair treatment and actually apologized to him when it reached that decision, but they felt they had no choice. Even, so, though, even though the employer fired him because of that. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry to say that I know of people that I've interviewed 
who have told me that they lost their job when they had a seizure and didn't even try to do anything about it, even though I encouraged them. But, of course, they weren't covered at that time. But guess what, folks? We're covered now. We are covered now, and that is what is so great. Sandy, what day was the ADA Amendments Act signed? Uh, September 25th. September 25th. So you all understand this. We're meaning this September. This this all just happened. Tony has worked on this for five years with this other group, as he pointed out. But I, I know we have a huge listening audience. Um, thank you very much. Just so you know, you made it number one in August. But we have a huge listening audience in October. I want to tell you I've been friends with Tony Quello for over ten years, and I am a witness to how he worked day and night, night and day, for years. You know, I think I th- there are people that something happens, and they say, oh, well, too bad, and then there's Tony. And for all of you listening throughout the world, this man is your champion. He had no reason to work on this ADA Amendments Act. He's not in Congress, not in the media, not getting paid to do it, and his passion was relentless for five years Tony, you are awesome. You are. And we thank you for what you've done. And, Sandy, the same thing with you. I don't know if your family has even seen you at all <laughs> during this entire time period, but I know that you were, you, I mean, just to give people an idea, how many hours a day working on this? Oh, a lot, yeah. <laughs> My family has not seen me, in fact. 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day. And as just... Tony mentioned, working with mm-hmm. all these groups, you know, the disability community, the business community, the Republicans, the Democrats, everyone. I remember one day I went up to Sandy. I said, why are we doing this? And then Sandy explained to me, oh, you don't understand. You have to do this in order to get this group to buy into this. And I did not understand it, but I understand now. What's that saying you have, Tony, about getting a law bill? What's it like? Like making sausage. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it ain't pretty. <laughs> it <laughs> it isn't pretty, and it's really, Tony, wouldn't you say that no matter what it is, that if you don't have perseverance on this, it's not going to ever happen? No. Uh, it's, it's hard to, uh, uh, and, I, and I think Sandy will verify that a lot of good people with, uh, uh, with good intent um, basically uh, did not feel that we could get anything through and suggested that we were wrong to even put in legislation to get it adopted. But I think, you know, it's over. It's done. Um, I think enough accolades for uh, what was done. I think it's really more of, you know, where do we go and who's covered? And uh, I just, as so many people contacted us during this period of time, concerned about why they... um, weren't covered. They thought ADA did cover them. And now it's how do we get them uh, taken care of. So That's right. Segment. And we'll talk about that when we come back. But we're going to break for a minute. If you just joined us, you are in for such a treat because we have Tony Quello, rock star, Tony Quello with Sandy Finucan with the Epilepsy Foundation. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. 
We'll be right back with Tony and Sandy. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. If you just joined us, wow, what a great show. We have Tony Quello, author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, former chairman of the National Epilepsy Foundation, and Sandy Finucane, vice president of legal and government affairs for the National Epilepsy Foundation. Uh, Tony, what I wanted to talk about for a minute is you always talk about family and unity and how we need to work together to get so much more done. I thought you could talk for a minute about how much it meant getting that ADA Amendments Act signed by having the affiliates participate. Well, I think that to a great extent, you know, a lot of times uh, people in Washington uh, think they can get everything done themselves, and uh, a lot of groups will hire high-powered lobbyists to help them get things done, uh, et cetera. Um, Here's a bill that uh, was uh, moving uh, through the Congress and through the grassroots efforts of the Epilepsy Foundation and uh, Easter Seals and several others, uh, 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 diabetes, I'm sorry, I forgot diabetes. They were fabulous. They sort of led the effort, uh, Sandy, is that right? That's right. Very helpful uh, mm-hmm. side. But through the grassroots efforts of, uh, of all of our groups, um, we were able to, uh, in the House, uh, uh, get 
uh, a majority of the House members, a majority of the House members, both House uh, Republicans and Democrats, to become co-sponsors of our bill. Uh, that's in the first introduction of it, which Matt gave a signal to everybody that this is serious, that the Congress wants to do something about it. Generally, the only time you get a majority of people to go on a bill is when you're, uh, this is to honor Mother's Day or this is to <laughs> honor Valentine's Day or something that is, uh, you know, not controversial. Uh, to get people to go on a major bill like the ADA amendments that you're reversing uh, decisions made by the Supreme Court is very significant. And then uh, we had the grassroots people. We had strategy out there to to start moving in, in certain areas where we didn't have support. Uh, and the grassroots people came through. Then we went to the Senate, and it worked spectacularly in the House. We got our vote, 403 to 17. Then we went to the Senate, and there was some reluctance in the Senate to even put in a bill. But with that 400-plus vote in the House, the Senate knew the burden was on them, so they moved. Um, and then we uh, had the same effort put on by our grassroots. Uh, and as I said earlier, by Cheryl personally walking around the Senate, uh, but th we then got members in the Senate to sign up. A little bit slower, uh, but it started, it started working. But the key for us was that we were now running, the clock was running out. The Congress was going to adjourn a month before the election, just a couple weeks ago, and only those bills that uh, had unanimous uh, consent support, meaning that, that it could come up, be discussed, and it would be voted on with no opposition, no amendments, et cetera, would they consider those bills. So we had worked it out so that we got ourselves in that position, except we had, we had uh, the two Democratic leaders but did not have the two Republican leaders. And we gave that to our grassroots, not the lobbyists. Uh, we had the business community working with us. We had our lobbyists of all our organizations working on it and so forth. But we couldn't get anywhere. And we gave it to our grassroots, uh, meaning our affiliates and so forth. And it was, in particular, the Epilepsy Foundation affiliates um, who uh, brought in the Republican leaders. A tremendous example of what uh, you can do just out in the country, anywhere you are, uh, and by lobbying and being effective with uh, your elected uh, member of the House or your elected senator and letting them know that you strongly believe in something and you could have an impact. We would not have gotten this bill through uh, if it had not been for the grassroots at every turn of, uh, that we made, and the grassroots being there and delivering. So I think that's a very, very important lesson. That is awesome. And listen, I think we have a caller on the line. Uh, Marsha, are you on the line? I am. How are you, Joyce? Marsha, so nice to hear from you, Marsha Blanco, I, head of Achieva. Thank you for well, calling in, Marsha. I'm just uh, thrilled um, that you you have uh, folks like like Tony and Sandy addressing this uh, this issue. What a celebratory time for all of us in the advocacy community. But I do have uh, a, a question uh, for for Sandy and and Tony. Um, I have already received three labor and employment law alerts. 
um, about the ADA Amendments Act. Uh, that's the good news. I think folks are, are uh, out there and, and talking about it, uh, and, and that's great news. Um, however, I've got to say at least two of the, the alerts, um, uh, again, these are from um, law firms, um, are a little negative. My question is that uh, one of those alerts noted that the EEOC would now need to revise regulations mm-hmm. um, to incorporate the new definitions for uh, substantiality uh, limits and major life activities, mitigating measures. Um, how long might that take, and is there anything that the EEOC could do to water down what we think is very good language now? Um, those are good good questions, and I'm glad you brought that up, Marsha. I've been seeing some of those notices as well going out, and sort of the you know the uh, fear factor that I would say is being being paraded out there. You know, one of the good things about this bill is that it is very it is very filled with information. It's very directive in its findings and purposes, and it makes it very clear that it's overturning the Supreme Court's decisions that narrowly interpreted who's covered, and it is changing two findings from the previous ADA that implied that the ADA only covered a limited group of people, and it makes it clear that Congress intended the coverage to be broad to cover anyone who faces unfair discrimination because of a disability. And um, it also says, it also specifically addresses that EEOC, which you mentioned, but tells them that their standard was too high for covering people with disabilities in employment cases. So it's going to be very hard for the EEOC to have standards that um, are anywhere like what was previously in place because they would then be clearly um, flying in the face of what they were directed to do by Congress. And these, those findings and purposes so will be very important in directing what the, the agencies have to do. I think... Um, so, so I feel very good about that. I'm, you know, well, obviously we want the EEOC to follow the direction completely. I am less concerned that I might be in another circumstance given all the information that Congress is providing to them about what it had in mind when it passed the ADA. Um, the other interesting thing that, that happens in this law that um, was not really in the previous ADA, which is, is, the, is in the regarded as prong. So under the regarded as part portion of the law, so if an employer uh, discriminates against you because of a physical or mental impairment and takes some kind of negative action against you because of that, you can now bring a claim under the ADA. You do not need to show that you are substantially limited in a major life activity under that clause. Now, in exchange for that, you know, you give up a right to a reasonable accommodation. So if you need an accommodation to your disability, you're going to have to show that it does substantially limit a major life activity, which is what the current law is now anyway. The key here is it's going to be much easier. It should be much easier to show that you have it from the direction that's been given um, by the um, by, by Congress to the EEOC and Department of Justice and the other agencies that implement the ADA. Does that uh, answer your question? Did I answer? Yeah, it does. Sure. It does. Do you have any idea how long, or, or uh, uh, Tony having well, been in government all those years, um, 
how long do you think it might take the EEOC I, to revise these regulations? Um, we are asking, as part of the disability community, we are asking to go in and meet with Department uh, to EOC. We are go- going to go in and just talk to them about what we would like to see. And it's hard to say how long it might take. It could take... Um, a couple of months. It could take longer than that for them to come to start drafting regulations. One of the interesting things about this law is it becomes effective January 2008, 2009. So it's effective within three months, essentially, um, no matter what the EOC does. The other interesting thing is there's so much information in about what Congress actually intended that one could argue you don't even need to have those regulations to go forward. I think because it is a significant change in the definition, we are likely to start um, having conversations with the agencies and um, seeing some beginning drafting attempts within a very short period of time. Yeah, and I, I think just the other delighted thing that, that people of, of your caliber uh, will be in there for, for all of us, uh, making sure that they get this right. Thank you. I think the other thing to remember is that regardless of the outcome of the election in four weeks, less than four weeks now, uh, that uh, uh, there will be a change uh, in administration and change in personnel so that uh, as we go through after November the 4th, there will be uh, uh, generally what happens is that agencies have a tendency to slow down or speed up, depending on what what the issue is, uh, slow down because they're, they're leaving and moving on or speed up because they want to get something done before the other group gets in so they can get it, get it passed or, or modified or done. In this particular case, uh, uh, there are some people in the administration who would like to speed things up to get it done in a way that we wouldn't like. Um, I personally don't think that will happen, so I just think, March, just from I just want to be totally straight and honest with you, is that the law is very clear. Um, I think that as of today, even though it doesn't go into effect until January, as of today, everybody is on record knowing that this is what the Congress uh, says they intended originally. This is what they have now put into law now. And I think the courts, uh, uh, to a great extent, will honor that. Uh, EOC, whatever rules they come up with, probably won't occur or won't go into effect until after January. But there is a lot of this game being played in a lot of different areas right now. All right, listen, uh, I think we have two other callers on the line. Judy, are you on the line? I'm on the line. Judy, Judy Painter, how are you, Judy? I'm very good, Joyce Bender, how are you? I am fine, and Judy is with the uh, one of the affiliates of the Epilepsy Foundation, one of the best, of course, in Western and Central Pennsylvania. Judy, thank you for calling in. Judy, what city are you located in? <laughs> I'm located in the same city that Joyce Bender is. Oh, She's really? on my board of directors. Okay, I just want to make that clear. Of the best affiliates <laughs> in the country. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Judy. Go ahead. And uh, hello to Tony and hello to Sandy. And Hi, Judy. congratulations to you and to all of us in the disability community uh, for making this happen. I know that uh, uh, we certainly paid attention to your calls for help, and uh, it's so exciting to see that it, that it actually something happened from the grassroots level, as you were talking about. Uh, along, uh, I, I have two points that I wanted to bring up. Um, 
one along the lines that Marsha was talking about, uh, where the lawyers are or attorneys, some of them are already going to start having seminars as they did in the past on how to get around the ADA. Uh, how can we stop that from happening again? And two, uh, I know that many people with epilepsy call into uh, our organization or go and see their doctors, and, and there's a lot of discrimination uh, that happens, and people are not even aware that the ADA exists or that they have any rights under the law, and certainly some employers are not uh, really educating their employers about that. How do we as disability organizations go about and let people know that they do have rights under the law? I think those are, are real, it's a really good question, Judy, um, because you know we are aware of the of the employers who fought against the ADA and who were partly responsible for why we ended up in this situation. I do think something that's better about our situation now, um, almost 20 years later after the ADA passed, is that people and employers are more accustomed to the concept, the idea of including people with disabilities in the workplace. Is that actually happening? Well, that is really the hurdle that we have to face. Um, this was really a legal uh, kind of response where em- employers and their lawyers went in and argued, well, you don't even have a disability, so we don't have to apply. You know, the, the law doesn't have to apply to you. But the idea that actually people should be hired based upon their ability to do the job is an idea that I think employers have bought into. And I think there's an opportunity for us to take advantage of that idea and to educate employers on hiring people with conditions like epilepsy and disability. You know, a lot of the adverse treatment, a lot of the, you know, sort of anti-ADA stuff comes from fear and mm-hmm. lack of understanding. And so the only way to address that is experience and education. And there's a role for you to be educating about hiring people with epilepsy very promptly. Well, not only that is that to a great extent we can't uh, ourselves stay in the closet. Uh, we need to deal openly with this fear. And the only way you deal with, with the fear is to talk about it. Uh, and that... Uh, uh, we have ability and we can be very successful. Uh, we can't be afraid to, to, uh, uh, to acknowledge our epilepsy. I know, and so, and so many people, adults that I know that are, are in professional positions are so afraid that if, you know, anyone knows that they have epilepsy, uh, that that will affect their ability to uh, perform their jobs. And these are attorneys. It's it's a it's a it's a terrible thing, really. That so many years later, after we've begun working in this area, Judy and you, along with us, know that there are people still who do not feel like they can talk about their epilepsy, about their seizures, you know, to their employer. And um, that we are going, we are back at basics when we have employers ask, "Well, won't hiring a person with epilepsy affect my workers' comp? You know, will it affect mm-hmm. my liability if they have a seizure on the job?" I mean, these are things we thought we had addressed 25 years ago. I know, yes. and we're and we still are addressing them. Yes. And but I look forward to working with people like Tony and Joyce who have uh, speak openly about it. Um, but we really do have to do something. I don't know if we're going to do a telethon or not, but we and really Judy, have to I do ju- something. I just want to say, Judy, that the reason 
I speak so openly about it is because of Tony Quinn. I know that. And Tony for a long brought... time, I would say just seizure disorder. And then I met Tony, and he said, don't you mean epilepsy? And see, it's when you see someone like him and how successful they are that you say, well, wait a minute. If, you know, what is wrong with me? This is what it is. Mm-hmm. But listen, I've got to go. we got another caller on the line. But, Judy, thank you so much for calling in. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you, Sandy and Tony, for your leadership in in this wonderful thing. And while, you know, if Joyce, could I just add that while we're thanking people, you know, Senator Specter was uh, played a real key leadership role yes, for us yes. when this bill was introduced in July of 2007, and it was Mrs. Sensenbrenner walking the halls of the Senate, went to meet with. Um, with a bunch of staff people from different senators, but it was Senator Specter who responded and said, no, I'm going to sign on to that bill. And he became the first Republican co-sponsor to sign on with Senator Harkin. So that was a great thing, and we're very grateful for the work that, that, that your affiliate did to help that happen. Yes, Judy. I agree with you, and thank you to him. Thank you to Congressman Hoyer. Um, who, is there anyone else we did not mention in this conversation? I thought we were going to get to Hoyer, but... Well, we got, yeah. Well, wait, hold on one minute. Do we have a, do we have someone, I think, on the line from the Obama campaign? Are you on the line? I am, Joyce. How are you? Hey, uh, this is Kareem Dale on the line. Go ahead, Kareem. Thank you, Joyce. It's, it's good to be here. Uh, hello, uh, Tony and Sandy. Hi. Talk with you all. Uh, yes, yeah, Joyce, I'm Kareem Dale with the Obama campaign. I'm the National Disability Vote Director, and I am a person with a disability as well. I'm, I'm blind. So I think that the, the topic today is from a personal perspective and with regard to my hat for the Obama campaign, representing the Obama campaign, this is just a great topic to talk about. And I just want to build on one thing that Tony said and then also uh, kind of respond to a comment that Judy made about about attorneys. And from a personal perspective, uh, the ADA and passing this legislation is just phenomenal. I mean, I think lots of persons with disability, most of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion, have experienced discrimination. And the fact that we've gotten this law passed and it's going to help uh, eradicate this type of discrimination so that people can get the accommodations that they need and and to get back to work, I just think it's a phenomenal thing. And also... From my perspective as a, as a representative of the Obama campaign, you know, Senator Obama has been an original co-sponsor of this legislation and has always pushed for, the, pushed for this legislation from the very beginning. And I think what's important to, to realize when Judy was talking about the lawyers that, that, that may be doing seminars about how to get around this, a key part of this is that we have the right judges on the bench. Uh, from the federal trial court judges to appellate court justi- justices to Supreme Court justices that are going to respect the original intent of the ADA and the, the, this newly passed law. Because what happened with the original ADA is that we had Supreme Court justices who, you know, frankly just didn't respect the original intent and eliminated a lot of disabilities uh, such as heart disease, cancer, ep- epilepsy, or diabetes and said that these were not disabilities. And Senator Obama has specifically and clearly and unequivocally pledged uh, that he is going to appoint justices that respect the ADA and that understand what it means to be a person with a disability, and we're not going to uh, allow, um, you know, the the judges that have been appointed, such as, you know, the the Scalia's or the Winquist that have uh, limited the intent of the ADA, and he's going to appoint justices that are going to respect Congress's 
um, intent of the ADA. So I just think it's a beautiful thing uh, that we have this legislation. Uh, it certainly was a bipartisan effort to pass this legislation. There was, there was leadership on both, both sides, as Sandy pointed out, uh, and I think that's a wonderful thing, and, and Senator Obama uh, looks forward to continuing on with uh, enforcing and improving the legislation. Thank you, Graham, very much. That's very helpful. Uh, Sandy, did you have a comment? No, he's, no, uh, Kareem is absolutely right, of course. It is the judge's interpretation of the ADA in employment that has been such difficulty. And it, I mean, we do as, just like we do with the employer's um, bar and with employers, we do have to have judges who understand what disabilities are about and that people with disabilities can do a whole range of jobs. I mean, a lot of that was really, many of the cases are really just dealing with the lack of information and understanding of disabilities that too many judges have had. So he's, And Kareem, I will ask you what I will ask uh, the folks calling in next week from the McCain uh, campaign, and that is with Senator Obama. Do you believe he will move forward with passing through to get people with disabilities employed in the federal government? Absolutely. I think that what's clear about Senator Obama is that he's laid out his plan. He has a comprehensive plan to empower Americans with disabilities. It's a nine-page plan. He's also recorded a video message to the community clearly stating what he is going to do. And, and one of those things that he's going to do is reinstate the executive order that President Clinton signed at the end or instituted at the end of his term, whereby it mandated 100,000 employees to be hired, employees with disabilities to be hired by the federal government. That hasn't happened over the last eight years, and, and, and Senator Obama is firmly committed to reinstating that executive order. He's going to appoint a national commissioner to ensure that all federal agencies are complying with that executive order and make sure that we're hiring persons with disabilities. Because the bottom line is that the federal government is the largest employer in the country, and, we need, and the federal government needs to be an example for hiring persons with disabilities for the private sector. He's also going to uh, do things in the private sector, such as informing corporations and making sure that they know about the tax credits that are available for persons with disabilities. He's going to create a commission to investigate and determine the best practices that are being used by corporations to employ people with disabilities, and he's going to recommend that all, of cor all corporations use those best practices to make sure uh, that, we are, that we are hiring persons with disabilities in both the public and the private sector. So he's firmly committed to employment uh, for persons with disabilities. And if I might just say, uh, the fact that he has placed a person with a disability into this role uh, to represent the campaign as the National Disability Vote Director, you know, I think it demonstrates that he understands that we need to have people with disabilities uh, helping make decisions about our community. All right. Well, listen, Kareem, I want to thank you for calling in. I want to tell you next week people are calling in from the McCain uh, campaign. But just the fact, Kareem, that you took time to call in, boy, that means so much to us. I'm sorry to have to end the show, but before we go, Tony, I wanted to ask you, is there a message you would like to leave with our listeners today? I think the thing to remember is whenever there's a problem, don't give up and go away. Fight, fight, fight. And you can prevail. That's right. Don't give up. Get out there. Get out there no matter what. This is Joyce Bender. You've been listening to Tony Quello and Sandy Finucane with Joyce Bender on Disability Matters. See you next week. And remember, vote. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. So long. So long. There was nowhere to go.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.